Father God, I thank you so much for the so many blessings in life, the, uh, the ways that you have loved us, the ways you have chased after us, the ways that you have sent, sent your son to save us so that we can be restored in our relationship with you. So today, Lord, as we come together to talk about how incredibly awesome and powerful that you are, that you may be glorified, raised high and honored today and so that each of us can just continue to live our lives for you and trust you in anything that may come through our life and trust that you have power and can give us victory in anything that we're facing in this life. So we love you, Jesus. We praise you in your holy, holy name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm wearing a suit today because I had a wedding this afternoon and I didn't want to change, so I hope you think I look like, so if you, if you think it's Easter, it is not. <laughs> Easter is past us, I just decided to stay dressed. But uh, so I love that flexibility actually in our church. It's one of the things that I love is that I can show up like this or I can show up in a, a suit and tie or I can show up in a, in a hoodie and uh, if I'm feeling rambunctious this summer, maybe some shorts and flip-flops, so... Um, I, I personally like that kind of flexibility that we have, and you guys at least don't, don't verbalize to me which one you like or dislike the most. So pray for me, pray for me. Um, all right, so um, enough banter, let's get on with it, right? You didn't come to hear me banter. This isn't, this isn't stand-up sketch night, so let's get after this. Um, all right, so I want to begin a, a, a little bit of a mini-series that uh, called Power, and uh, this series, Power, we're going to spend some time talking about the power of God and the power of, of God in creation and in our life. I want to begin by kind of connecting for you uh, my understanding of, of, of how so often we in our lives feel powerless, so my definition uh, for power is uh, the ability to do things by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authorization. So the ability to do things, the ability to evoke change, the ability to make an impact, the ability to have control by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authorization, which would be from somebody with more power than you have, right? So I think of power. So when I think about our lives, I think, man, there are so many times in my life where I wish I had more power than I do have. So many times when situations arise that I wish I had control over, that I wish I could inject my power into. I wish that I could decide the outcome of. You think about so many areas, so many times in your life where you, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish I could pull that back. Or, or you say, I, I, I wish that I could just reach over there and help that person or, or take away that pain or take away that struggle or take away that trial and that temptation for someone else or for myself, that I could just bear that burden for them so they don't have to deal with that. I wish so bad that I could have power over that situation, that I could inject change in that for them. 
But yet sometimes things happen and we feel so powerless. We're reminded of our own humanity, of the limits that we have. So I mean, we're in a child rearing stage of life, right? So I was up here talking about holding Eileen and how she's a little over six weeks old and how she's, she's a big baby, right? From day one, she's been a big baby, but she's still so, so tender and so uh, just so entirely reliant on us in life. So with her being our third baby, I have seen that three times now. And I've also seen the process of a child being brought into this life three different times firsthand at my wife's side. It is a a miracle. It's an amazing experience. Any of you who have witnessed that or been through that, you can attest to what Jesus said is true, that even though there is so much pain and strife in the process of getting there, there is joy on the other side, and it's miraculous. But what I I do in, in those situations is... I, I do my best to help, but I'm, I'm, what am I really to do? I, I, you know, my wife goes into labor and we grab the bag and we make, we call the, the, the mother, the grandmas and they, they come and they watch our kids and we jump into the van and we drive to the hospital and all the while my wife is in labor and then we get to the hospital and we make our way in and, and, and I do my best to be her advocate and make sure that the doctors and the nurses are there for her and, but but then, I, I, you know, do anything that she needs, moving pillows, grabbing hands, whatever I need to do. Uh, but ultimately, when it comes down to the moment of strife, I am helplessly standing at her side, holding her hand, powerless. And it can be hard. My brother has two twin girls that are about to turn four. They turn four in August. And and he had a situation when those two girls were born, it was a situation where they went to the hospital and they knew something was going on, but they ended up moving towards emergency C-section to get these girls out. And, and my brother tells me about how everything starts happening so fast, right? The doctors and nurses are moving quick. They're trained. They know what they're doing. They're moving quick. They're helping. They're taking care of, of his wife and of these children. And, and there was this one moment in the operating room where my brother said that the second daughter was, was born. And when she was born, her body looked lifeless. And he said he almost passed out as he looked at her and just thought that she was gone. And in that moment, he almost passed out. The nurse grabbed him, helped him sit down, and they all tended to his daughter, who is doing fine. She's now four. But my brother in that situation, even more so than me, in my th- the three healthy deliveries that Kinsley has had, all of these things happening, all of this pain, all of this fear, and my brother sits there, powerless, but wanting so bad to fix it, right? Wanting so bad to be able to make it go well, but yet finds himself 
powerless, with no ability to do anything by virtue of his strength or his skill or his resources or his authorization to change what's happening there. All he could do was wait and pray and love his wife. But he felt powerless. See, this is one of the things about, uh, uh, if we think this through, the, the power that, that we have is, is to understand that God gives power to his creation, but, but God gives limited power to, to his creation. Like, I have some power. There are things I can do. There are things I can change, but, but there's limit on, on all of that. See, See, there is power in creation. Think outside of humans. Think about um, animals, for example. Animals, animals have power, and animals have strength. Think about animals like, like oxes and horses and lions. Lions, the ultimate powerful beast in creation. He's got some power that, that God has given him. And think about the, the storms and the wind and the thunder and the lightning and the way that, that nature has, has power. That a storm can come through and knock a tree on your house or your car or your kittens. And, and you're in trouble, right? But there is power in that storm. That God has allowed creation to have power. Limited power. Power is given to us as men and women. We have physical strength. We have the power to fight. We have the power to decide if we're going to do good or, or if we're going to do harm. The rulers of our world, the, the kings and the queens and the presidents and the prime ministers and the CEOs and all the, these powerful people have this God-given power and authority, but it's limited. It's limited. The Bible also speaks about, in 2 Peter 2.11, speaks about the power of angels in creation. Speaks about the power of spiritual beings that we talk about as the principalities and the powers. Satan, creation of God who has, has gone astray. Satan has powers. God has given Satan powers. He's the the ruler of this world in many ways. He's the, the prince of this world in many ways, but yet Satan is on a tight leash. He has limited power. Sin and evil and, and death, they're, they're allowed to have some power over the lives of men and over creation, but yet it is limited. See, all of these, however much power we may see from our perspective, from the lion to the windstorm to Satan himself, are allowed to have some power, but that power is always, always and forever limited by God. God is able to give strength to his people. God is able to, to help his people to conquer over all of these powers, no matter what they may be, no matter what they may look like, no matter what they may convince you of, their power is limited. And we have these situations, right, that kind of come into our lives and we think, oh, I have no power over this. I have no control over this. I can't evoke change in this situation. 
I can't fix it. I can't. You know, maybe you can't. Maybe, maybe you have a limited power in this area. You have a limited control in this area. Maybe you can't just say it and it is so. But my proposition to you today is that God is almighty and that all other power limited is derived from him and is subjected to him. You see where I'm at with this, that that we have limited power and that power is, is given to us by God, given to the lion by God and controlled by God, given to Satan on a tight leash by God. And at the end, God will ultimately say, no more, I am done with you. But he's allowing some limited power in order to achieve his purposes, his greater purposes in our lives, in the whole world, and in God's ultimate glory, God's ultimate glorification. So our world, creation, creators, creatures, we have power, but it is limited power. And I want so bad in certain situations to have complete and utter control and power. Amen? Don't you? But God, here's the beautiful thing, right? No matter what, no matter what peace, God has unlimited power. This is the beauty and the power and the magnificence of the God that we serve. That even though I cannot, I know that God can. Even though I may not have the power, the authority, the strength, or the skill, I know that God does. And that if I rely on him, if I call on his name, I know that he, he has the power. There's a prayer that uh, King David prays at the end of his life that you can find, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. In, in the last two chapters of 1 Chronicles, um, we, we read about uh, David kind of wrapping up his life. He beginning the process of like anointing, anointing Solomon to be king, giving Solomon a final charge. And then we read this, I think it's a nine verse prayer uh, that David, that David, uh, kind of wraps everything up with and and lays some groundwork for for what's to come and and talking about the people and talking about uh, who God is. But I I want you to see this and then I want to talk just a little bit about understanding where this is coming from for for David to to kind of get us perspective on this and think about the life that King David has lived that led him to this moment, okay? So he's praying literally in the middle of chapter 29, and he, he dies at the end of chapter 29. So this is kind of his final, at least recorded prayer. And here's what it says in verses 11 and 12. Praying, this is David praying to God, and he says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you exalt it, you're exalted as head above all. 
Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, I, what I love about this is when I think about the life that David lived, he is a great example of Bible characters' lives aren't always peachy keen. He's a great example of the ups and downs, the hills and valleys. He went through so many hard times, some his own fault, some out of his control, but known as a man after God's own heart because he always, no matter what happened, he would come back and he would, he would lay it all down. He would ask, he would confess and he would surrender again to the Lord. So David, David was anointed as a kid to, 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 to be King Samuel, anoints him as a kid to, to become a ruler of Israel by Samuel. And, and he, he begins this process. He's the one who was, he was a shepherd boy who was, who was manning over, he was shepherding over the sheep and he was always taking on these wild beasts. And then uh, as the youngest child, he was always kind of looked down on by his brothers. He's, and, and then he kind of finds himself he finds himself going to battle. He's not supposed to be there. He's not old enough to be in battle, but he goes and he, he conquers Goliath. Later on, he becomes king, or before he becomes king, Saul knows that he's going to become king. So King Saul is, is out chasing him. On, on a couple different occasions, Saul is out chasing him, trying to kill him. If you know someone's gonna take over and you don't want them to take over, you're gonna chase him and you're trying to kill him. So David goes through all of that. And, and David goes through a lot of battle after battle. At one point, his son Absalom is, is chasing him as well to try and kill him. And then when Absalom is, is killed, David mourns for him. David had a, a, David had a baby that died and he, he mourned the death of that child. David had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba and because he was supposed to be at battle and instead he stayed home and he has an affair and she gets pregnant and he sends her husband out to the front lines to get killed. We see in David's life so many ups and downs. If you read the Psalms, I think it's one third of the Psalms are written by David. And, and so often it is his cry out to God. But what, is, what I love about this is that in this life that David lived with all of these hills and valleys, all of these circumstances where he's praying for God to, to evoke change, praying for God's power to be realized in the situation. And so often he sees God's power in the situation. And even though he had all of those things that kept happening, when we get to the end of David's life, what he wants to talk about, what he wants to pray about is he's leaving all of his fortune behind and leaving the plans for the temple behind to his son Solomon, son of Bathsheba, believe it or not, leaves all of this to Solomon so that because David has too much blood on his hands, too much sin on his hands, that, that he is not allowed to build the temple, but he leaves it all, leaves all the plans, make all of these donations out of the kingdom and out of his own personal wealth. And he's praising the generosity of the many people that have given free will offerings to build the temple. 
He's praising all of them for this. He's letting everybody know, I'm, uh, you know, this is the end of my life. I'm running out of time. I've lived a, a life that is filled with highs and a life that is filled with lows. I've lived a life that has so many times when I, I just knew that God was there because things couldn't be going any better. And then there were times when I just, just sat in, in the wilderness or I laid in my bed and I cried out and said, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? But at the end of his life, one of the things that he wants us to know and wants God to know that he has realized is that how great and how powerful and how glorious and how victorious and how majestic and is the name of God. That he knows that ultimately that God is almighty. He knows that ultimately that all power is derived from God. And that's what we need to know today. That's what we need to be reminded of today. That ultimately, God is powerful. That his power is seen all through creation, all through scripture. See, using human terms in the Old Testament, God often, often, speaks, about, often speaks about God's mighty hand about God's outstretched arm. It's outstretched arm. I'm here to help you. I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm, we see the power of God in action all throughout scripture because he's reaching out to us. He's reaching down to, to love us and his power is seen in that. We see God's power in, in creation. We see God's power in his rule over the world. We see God's power certainly in, in salvation and in judgment. And we see his power in all that he does for his people. We see God's power in the way that he moves in our lives. The New Testament and the Old Testament they speaks about God's mighty power. We serve a powerful God. And we serve a God who wants to who looks at us and sees us and understands that we have that he made us and has allowed us to only have limited power in this life but he wants us to call on his name and trust that his power is great and that he wants to move in your life. He wants to move in your life. Ephesians 1:19 speaks of the immeasurable greatness of the power of God towards those who believe according to his working and his great might. To know that if you're walking with Christ, that if you're a follower of Christ, that you have access to the immeasurable greatness of his power. And there seems like there's something in us as, as modern day American middle class-ish Christians that we want to sit the power of God to the side and say, I can do this myself. I have everything I need, right? Right? I've got food, water, clothing, transportation, shelter. I've got everything that I need. I can work hard, and if I, once I run out of all my resources, now I will ask God for power. But there's this piece of us, it's just like we, we, don't, we don't take it serious enough to access the immeasurable greatness of God's power. We wait until the very end. We experience and we see God's power whenever we find ourselves laying, sitting beside or laying in a hospital bed and we think, okay, all right. I just realized that at the end of my life, there's gonna be an end to my life. And I need God's power in this moment and in that moment. Because we realize at the end of the day, we have limited power. There are only so many things I can do. 
And we, so often we think, man, you know what? I, I trust God's power with my salvation. Because we know I can't do that one. I can't get myself across the, the cavern into heaven. I know I can't do that one. I know I can't, I can't usher my soul to heaven. I know that I need a guide. I know I need someone standing there. I know I need Jesus standing there with that golden ticket. You're in. I know I can't stand at the pearly gates and convince God to let me in. So I trust God's power in my salvation. But what about between salvation and the grave? Are you allowing God to have power in that? In the everyday, in the tough times and in the good times? Are you accessing God's power? Because here's, here's what I love. Here's the really cool thing that I, that, I, that I came across as I was studying for this and thinking through God's power. See, we talk about, see, my definition of, of power is the ability to do things by virtue or by strength, by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authorization. So I only have so much power. I need the authorization of God to have power over situation. I need God, God's grace to give me power over situation. God opened my mind to an idea so that I can have power in a situation. God will knock me on my knees so that I will pray for God's power in a situation. But in Matthew 26, 64, the words of Jesus, Matthew 26, 64, write that down if you write things, Matthew 26, 64 shows that the word power is actually a substitution for the very name of God. That the Son of Man, that in Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said, you have said so, but I tell you, this is Jesus on trial with Caiaphas, okay? Right before the crucifixion. Jesus is on trial in front of Caiaphas before he goes over and hangs out with Pilate. And he says to Caiaphas, he says, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on, the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, you understand what I'm saying here. When Jesus is referencing where he's going to sit in heaven, when Jesus had previously said I want, to the disciples, I want, when the disciples asked him for that seat at the right hand of God or at the right hand of, like, they're asking for this seat, they're asking for this honor, and Jesus said, you have no idea what you're talking about. And Jesus says right here, listen, Listen to me. I, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to sit at the right hand of my father. I'm going to sit at the right hand of God, the creator of the universe. No, he says, listen, I am going to go to heaven and I, until I come on the clouds, I'm going to sit at the right hand of power. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the creator who can do anything he wants to, that has all the power, has, has all the skill, all the resources, all of the authority. He is running this show and he gets to control and he gets to make decisions and he gets to lead us and he gets to call us. And he said, I'm going to sit at his right hand and together we're going to rule this world. Right now we got Satan on a tight leash. We're going to let him go do his thing. But I want you to know the power 
when I'm restoring your relationship to power, okay? So I'm restoring, before Christ came, we, there's, no, there's, there's no relationship with God in the sense that we have access to his power directly by the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to that in a couple weeks. But the power of God, he says, I am going to die on the cross and conquer death and sin and raise victoriously so that you can have a restored and right relationship with power. So that you don't have to live a life defeated. You don't have to live a life of failure. You don't have to live a life with sickness and illness and injury that you don't have any control over, but you can access power. Now, this is a big deal. This is outstanding news for the Christian to say, okay, so I don't just, okay, now I got saved. Now I've got power in salvation. I've got power in death so that I can step into eternity and know that I am signed, sealed, and delivered to the pearly gates of heaven. Praise God. But between now and then, are you living a victorious life? Are you accessing power? Or are you continuing to, to, to just succumb to trials and temptations? Are you continuing to just succumb? Say, well, I, this is my sin. I, 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 this, this is my cross to bear. I will never overcome that sin. I won't. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're right. You can't because you've got limited power. But with God on your side, with access to God, with access to power, when you call on his name, when you rely on him in life, you can be victorious. You can overcome anything. Not by your limits, but because power is on your side and power has authority over all creation. He can tell anything, anybody to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, go over here, do that, do that. He could turn you into a lemming. He could turn you into a squirrel. He can do whatever he wants to. He's got power over creation. He can hold this ceiling up or he can decide to let it fall. He's got power over all of creation. Everything physical that you are and see God has power over that. And he, th think about this. God's, God has unlimited power over creation. God saved Daniel over those powerful lions. Those powerful lions, the most powerful creature. Proverbs 30, 30 says that the lion, which is the mightiest among beasts, does not turn back from anything. The lion's not turning back. You can't stop the lion. If he's hungry and he's coming at you and you're standing in an open field, <laughs> sorry. You can't stop him. You can't, that's not gonna work. You can't pray like you're out, like you can't pretend like it's a bear and just try to get big or play dead or any of that stuff. The lion, the lion does not turn back before anyone. And yet in Daniel 6, 26, it says that he delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. God power has saved Daniel from the limited power of the lions. He shuts the mouths of lions. He's got control. God saved Daniel because God is the capital P, power over all of creation. To Pilate, when Jesus was on trial in John 19, 11, 
Jesus says to Pilate, you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. You don't have power. You don't have control. You can't send me to the cross. My father and I are choosing by our power and our love for the world to go to the cross. We are allowing you, we are allowing you to be a part of this decision. We are allowing you to have power in this. You wouldn't have this title. You wouldn't have this control if it wasn't for me. He is able to deliver men from the power of sin and the power of death, from Satan and from all of the spiritual forces of evil. That this ruler of the world ultimately has no power over Christ and so cannot have power over those who rely on him. Now think about your life. Think, think about like how often do we even as Christians face sin and face temptations and trials and sickness and fears and doubts. And we look at these and we just think, man, I can't do it. I got nothing. I can't take this on. And so we just kind of sit back and accept it. This is my story. This is it. I will never conquer that sin. I will always be weak in that area. Once a failure, always a failure. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Once a luster, always a luster. Once a thief, always a thief. Once a liar, always a liar. Once greedy, always greedy. Once a glutton, always a glutton. Once an addict, always an addict. I can't do it. I don't have the power over this one. The truth is, as a Christian, you do have power over it. not a program. It's the power of power himself. It's the power over creation. See, God has unlimited power over any situation, any circumstance, any person. Nobody, nothing anywhere in life can have power over you because you have the power of God on your side. You have the power of God by the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the power to overcome anything. See, Satan couldn't have any power over Christ. And so Satan cannot have power over anyone who is relying on God for the power of the day, the power of the situation. I want you to know that no matter what the trial, temptation, no matter what the sin, no matter what the sickness, no matter what the injury, the fear, the doubt, or the family history that you think you can't overcome, with God on your side, with the very access to power himself, you can live a victorious life. There is no reason if you are a born again, spirit filled believer for you to walk out of this room and just let the sin and the struggle run wild 
another day. Because you have access. You've got the access codes. You've got the card. You've got the number. You've got his name. All you got to do is call on him. Lay it down before his feet and say, God, I have no power over this situation. You have limited my control. You have limited my power because I am creation. I know I can only do so much. I can't save myself. I can't heal myself. I can't set myself free. I can't break the addiction. I can follow a program and get some distance, but I can't be set free without the power of God himself saying this piece of creation, gone. This sin, gone. This Satan, get out of here. You have access to power. Let's not be the kind of followers of Christ who are unwilling or uninterested or too busy or too confused or too lied to, to not say, yes, God is powerful. Yes, God has power in my life. Yes, I can have power over circumstance and situations and mistakes because God is powerful. If you're a believer, you already believe that Jesus was God you already believe that Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins and rose from the dead three days later and then ascended into heaven. Okay, so to most of the world, you're already nuts. <laughs> to most of the world, you're already nuts. You already believe the hardest part. You already believe that God is powerful. You already believe that God can conquer sin and death and hell. And all of the things that you and I struggle with in life, all of the sickness and the poverty and, the, and, and all of the ugliness of this world, all of the suffering in this world, terrible, hate it, awful, get rid of it. All of it is rooted in sin. You think, this, you think, that, you think we were gonna have tent cities and cardboard cities? All, all these, at this stage in creation, had Adam and Eve not eaten that apple and invited sin into the world? Nah, no, the next generation probably would have messed it up anyway. But do you really think that all this was God's plan? No, this is Satan's plan. This is sin's plan. This is sin's doing. And just because this is the world we live in, where Satan is rolling it, Satan is running it, doesn't mean that we as Christians need to put our tail between our legs and just sit down and say, well, God saved me at salvation by the power of the cross. So God had power at the cross. God had power when he saved me and God had power when I die and he carries me into heaven. I want more than that. I want more than that. I wanna live a powerful, victorious life in the way that God is calling me to, in the way that God invites me too. And that's what I want for you guys, to live a life of power where you're accessing the power that you have access to because you're a born-again believer. Let's live victorious lives.
Worship team is gonna come. I'm gonna pray and the altars are open. If anybody needs access to power today and to believe that God is powerful in your life, you have limits in creation. You have limits in your life. You can only do so much. You can only try so hard. You can only work so hard. You can only read so many self-help books. You can only talk to so many friends. You, you can only Google it so many times before you run out of ideas, before you start finding out that everything on the first page is the same as the second page, the third page. There's 30,000 pages. And at the end of all those pages, you can read every suggestion that Google makes. And until you find the one that is based in the power of God, the God of the Bible, you will be fruitless. If you want victory, you want power, you've got to go to the source. Let's stand and sing.